in this beautiful tropical. It is now 10 o'clock in the morning in the beautiful mountains of rainy, rainy, rainy Costa Rica. Uh, they've claimed that they only have one or two days a year that are this rainy, and we've already seen four of them. So we think that outdoor showers are in order, that you just stand outside and let the warm water wash you off and you can save on water because it just falls from the sky. Hundreds of thousands of tons of water fall from the sky. And yesterday I was thinking, okay, how did it get up there? And the answer is it's solar powered. The sun gets up, the heats up the water, the water goes up in the air, and then it spins around and falls on top of us, but it gets up there by solar power. So we are, we are becoming solarians, which means nothing, actually. Mm. Don't get me started on fanatical belief systems. I just uh, am not in the right mood for that. So perhaps somebody else like Francie. Hello, Francie. Can you talk to us? Can you say hello to us? Tell us where you're coming from and calling from and what the heck you're doing here. Um, I'm Francisca and I'm living in Malta. I'm from Germany. Um, and I'm here because uh, I just wanted to check it out what you guys are doing. Yes, but what was the, cl what was the clue that let you find us? How did you find us? And Brienne today sent me the link Brienne. for this group. Uh -huh. There are karmic consequences to things like that. You just have to be careful. <laughs> okay. You know, Francie could become a, a possibility team space holder. She could deliver a rage club, you know, or, or she could start doing possibility coaching. One never knows. <laughs> you just have to be careful. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Malta, what a wonderful place. Somebody else. Rhonda, how's it going in Rhonda land? Hi, I was also invited by a friend. It's going well. I'm in New York. Wait, which friend though? Oh, like uh, Casa. Hey, I'm here. I'm driving, but I'm yeah. on a call. Well, thank you. Thanks for accepting the invitation. Rhonda, what are your hopes and expectations for this team? Um, you know, I don't have any I you mean you're I'm, enlightened already no I mean I don't know but I'm just saying I this is my first time here so I've come in without sort of any expectations or I'm just sort of observing so this is an investment of of your lifetime and the way that the investment pays back is by in investing in asking dangerous questions and in sharing stuff that's going on inside of you that you have no explanation for and things like that. So that's how, that's how to make the best use of this space. We call, okay. it, a, we call it a study group, but it's okay. a secret magic school and it's a transformational space. Don't okay. tell anybody, but that's what's I, really going on. Okay, well, that's what I'm looking for. So yeah. I'm... You didn't say that. You didn't say you're looking for a secret magic school and a transformation space. So you do have expectations. I caught you. Okay. Well, I didn't know what I was coming into, but now that you say this is what it is, then this is what, you know, I expect, I guess. There are parts of us that know things that are beyond understanding. And we count on that in the extraordinary relationships that we're creating with each other. 
and with everybody else. So you can radically rely, we've been talking about that, radical reliance on forces beyond our understanding. And so I encourage people to consider that as a possibility. For example, Emma, could you explain how you've been doing that lately? Um, I have to be honest and say that I didn't fully hear because I'm contemplating getting back in my car because I'm in a very distracting area. Okay. All right. We'll try to repeat ourselves later on. Good luck. Thank you. Raki, how's it going there in Egypt? Did you call me Raki? Raki. No, it's R-A-G-U-I, Ragi. That's right. Ragi. I heard Raki. No, no, no. It, internet does the most bizarre things with our language, so just give it some space. It's an internet con confusion. Ragi. Go ahead. Yeah, I actually cannot hear you. Uh, I don't know if that's my internet or if everyone else is. Uh... This is a sound check. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, then. All right. <clears throat> Somebody else would like to speak from radical relating, a moment of radical relating here as we're getting together. Well, yes, I want to um, say hello to Ashley. I invited her into this group and I just want to share the legend that I met her in Costa Rica also as a pirate queen. And maybe she can say more about that. But I thank you, Ashley, for joining. I feel very happy that you are here with us. Yes, we need all the pirate queens we can get. Hello, I'm really happy to be sharing this magical space with everybody and getting to know community, especially in a global level. I think it's really important that we find ways to connect, especially in the modern era. We have so many forms of connection, of communication and taking advantage and inviting people into our circles is the way that we expand and and help to influence other people in their own personal growth. So I'm happy to be a part of this. Thank you for the invitation, Dor. Thank you, Ashley. Let us know when you get really pissed off about being in this group, okay? And really scared and really sad. That'll be times when we're, we're when we start believing you with a higher degree of credibility. The happy thing works for the first meeting, but after that, we want to hear all the rest of it, okay? Good. You got it. Good. Thank you. Chloe, you were going to say something. Yes. Yeah, so about the being pissed off level and what's more um, challenging for me right now on the level of exploring radical relating is that I started this um, white widow decontamination experiment and I'm in the process of renegotiating my contacts, especially with men. And it's challenging it's a lot of resistance and yeah i i i'm happy to to i noticed you extended the website about the white widow i found the new information very useful about the 
boredom gap. And I think that's yeah. where I'm in. So it's really interesting to observe all the strategies to, to make this experiment not so valid and, and go around it in a way. Um, yeah. And one other thing that is alive for me is uh, some sadness because I found out that the group I was connecting with before the community officially decided to consider themselves uh, shattered. So they are giving up the project. And this is uh, processing that in me with this opening on my side towards community and at the same time seeing the project happen and, and, and keep hopeful and keep going. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Chloe. So, Yula, I, this is not really a coffee time. So, are you willing to participate without having your tea or coffee and pick it up later? It's actually just uh, oat milk. And I'm using it because I did the 333 stellation with Oliver right now, and my throat needed some milk. So I would actually like to, to finish that cup. Uh, just to let you know when you're doing that part, like probably most of your attention is going on that rather than being in the space while you're doing it. So you can notice that and discover the value of 100% commitment to the spaces you're in, in terms of getting and giving as much as you can. But this is, just not a coffee time space, but thank you. Or an oat milk space either, but as you wish. Okay. The answer is as you wish. For those of you who have seen the <clears throat> Princess Bride movie. <clears throat> Since, yes, go ahead. Jonathan, Julia, and George. Are you guys going to say something over there? Hi, um, I wasn't. You were reaching. I think for the we computer. were just. I think we were just making an adjustment on the screen. But hello. We're everybody. trying to get up a little bit louder. If it were three of you on one screen, somebody's got to say something. Well, what? since you're calling us out, sure. Um, <laughs> I had a good low drama detection moment this past week, and it was kind of like you said that it didn't show up until like three or four days afterwards, and I realized like, oh, that kind of like self righteous feeling and like thing that I, you know, I was like, oh, that didn't really need to, it kind of, yeah, it went off and I was like, oh, I guess that was a sort of low drama and like, a, yeah, so it, as, as predicted, it was, it was late, but um, it was still good to, to, to note it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and if you keep working with that, you'll notice it just before you do it. At some point, you'll notice it just before you do it. And that's when, you know, first you'll notice while you're doing it, and then you'll notice just before you do it. And that's the time you have a choice about it. Yeah, cool. Thanks for the sharing. I like this phrase, radical relating. Um, it's the first time that I've heard it um, in this group. And I'm not sure if this, you know, counts, but we are here in this place um, that I've felt is very guided by the others. Um, and yesterday felt this like really, it was almost like a mini death experience that I simulated to let go of the old thing, to step into the new. And then it just seeing these spirits being like, okay, 
like we're we're coming to the to do this new project and you can't see it yet but trust us and it's and um anyway i don't know if that applies but i do experience the relating with the bigger forces and take leaps of faith based on that often in my life and um how is it how has it worked out great i mean it's not it's painful because sometimes my mind would like other things um but it's um but i often get put in better places than my mind could have conjured mm -hmm. So in the, using the term radical reliance, we make a distinction between, for example, radically relying on right principles, which are archetypal forces of nature, and radically relying on echo, which is an earth coincidence control office that handles these coincidences, and radical reliance on your archetypal lineage, which is uh, a, it's a, like, you say it is a calling it is a job to do in the village so you can radically rely on the service and the intelligence behind this your your ecstatic service to the village that's your archetypal lineage and then there are other things out there as you're aware of and to radically rely on other things they all have personalities and they all have agendas and they all have secret agendas. And so it's not, we're not recommending radically relying on any voice you happen to hear in your head or any impulse you happen to experience in your five bodies. So please Absolutely. be aware of those distinctions. Absolutely. Um, Good. I have, I have uh, different tools. I mean, I've developed relationships over time with different beings and boundaries with ones that I, yeah. Um, so that I know which, no, yeah, which. Good, for the rest of you, don't try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for the rest of you, that takes years to develop those kind of sensations that are accurate. And sometimes there's some nasty stuff to go through so, to get that far. So in any case, well, let's shift to more mundane things and hear from Andrea or Jeff. Do you wanna say anything? Hello. Hey, Jeff. I'm tuning in from a little farm in Costa Rica and where we just harvested some yuca and some oranges. And it's amazing how everything just starts to fall away when when you when we when I tune into simple, difficult labor of of working with the land and listening to the river and just being with this, this, uh, all of this and, and, you know, connecting with the caretakers of this land and they're an older Costa Rican couple. And, you know, the way that they are so just connected to these same concepts, the same understanding that like, there's nothing in the city worth, you know, worth fighting for it's all just a, a a hamster wheel going in circles and yeah it's just so it it's so beautiful to be here and 
looking at my dirty fingernails and just being fully um, just complete with this. And um, yeah, it's like, I feel sad because I, you know, I run around and around and around and it's like, it's just all right here. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Anybody else would like to say anything as we're getting started here? I'd like to share my low drama experiment for the week went really well. I followed through and read the chapter with my partner afterward, and we made an agreement to follow it. And then I actually read it with read it aloud with three other people over the wow. week. And uh, we two had a microscopic load drama after reading the chapter with my partner, and we discussed it the next day. We had an, another mild one the next night. And then I looked, I was getting very frustrated, and I made a decision that I had chosen a partner who is exceptionally skilled at pulling me into low drama so that I can get better at uh, detecting and avoiding it. And then we spent four days together and, and no other ones happened. So it was almost like a miracle after I decided that that was happening that they, they disappeared. Wow. Uh, so just an encouragement for other people to think maybe of that as an experiment. <laughs> wow, thank you. And by the way, this is, uh, this is Igor. Uh, I, I, I came across an unusually large blemish this week and instead of covering it up, I decided to um, introduce it. <laughs> well, Igor. <laughs> it felt nicely non-linear, so. You don't have to make this your permanent home, but nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, nonlinear experience. Thank you. Somebody else is speaking? I'm coming out of a lab here in Seattle. I jumped in the lab with my partner. So this is my third, and this would have been his first. And by Saturday night, he ended our relationship and went home Sunday morning. Um, so I'm heartbroken. <laughs> and grateful. <laughs> I'm tapping into his anger. He created boundaries that um, actually they were more about controlling me than boundaries, but he was needing that. And um, I held my boundary around what I was okay with and what it was, I was, yeah. And I, and that it, it, our boundaries didn't match like we just didn't match i'm i stood for myself and i stood for my dignity and uh it didn't work so um so then he left and i'm still here i'm leaving tonight and i will be in process sometime today to kind of just help orient me for the next month or two because it's going to be really rough for me not to go back like I need to stand for my dignity and stand for me and not go back to old patterns. 
in old ways. So, thank you. Thank you, Janet. Thank you. Just your gratitude was about respecting your boundaries like that and taking a stand for yourself. Is that what the gratitude was about? What? Yeah, like the standing, yeah, standing in like what is like me standing and like if it needs to end, it needs to end. Like that is so, so hard because I'm always like we can we can work on low drama. We can work on this. We can always make it better. Like we work, 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 work. And, you know, as long as they're showing improvement and progress, like as long as I am, like as long as we're moving forward, let's stay together. Let's keep working at this. You know, I make a commitment. I, I stand for the commitment. I stand for the relationship. And, you know, that's, I've done this for years. And at some point, it's hard for me to know when to call it. Even if there is progress and growth, when do you call it? I don't know. And so I'm a coward because I couldn't call it. And he did. And you know what? Like, I'm grateful that he called it because I'm a coward. I mean, I showed courage and the commitment and my loyalty and dedication, but like, I don't know what to call it. Janet, and I'm so grateful you. he did. <laughs> and I would encourage you not to use the story that you're a coward because no cowards ever come into this call space. I know. Okay. So this would be your gremlin kind of beating yourself up. I need, it's, I need a, yeah, totally, totally. Right. So, I, so I need to go and, and is glue and create a new I statement for sure. Yeah, it's so amazing because the section 6U that we're working on, talk, reading through today is called say yes or say no. That's where we're going, perfect timing for just this. It's on page... 187. I just want to check if there's anybody else wanted to say something before we jump into say yes or say no. Can I say something? Go ahead. So I'm going through a divorce. And part of me is okay with that, knows that that might be the best thing for me. And part of me has a huge resistance. And we don't talk or see each other. So I've been calling him in my dreams. And I get to see him every night in my dreams. When I ask for it, where he hugs me, where we talk about our issues. And then I had one last one that was saying, I tried to call him into my dreams again and he didn't really come, but there was just some other thing that said, I have wrapped up um, to, like I can't feel for two people. And it's not that I'm feeling for two people, but maybe that's a future or something, or I don't know what, but, I just have resistance to, I can let go of the, the like waking hours, the reality of us in person, but there's another part to us that I don't want to let go of. This like 
other tie we have that is not exactly in this space I'm occupying right here in my apartment. And that's all I want to say, I guess. Thank you. Rhonda, I know that you're near new in this space. <clears throat> How new are you to possibility management? How much feelings work have you done in terms of mad, sad, glad, and scared, and unmixing emotions, and the difference between feelings and emotions? Have you worked on that stuff? Um, no, but I, you know, just I can understand the concept just from the words, but mm, I feeling mad. I mean, I always I feel like when I feel something, I feeling one thing at a time. Well, the reason I'm asking that is because we have a tradition in this circle that if you're skilled enough with inner navigation, you can ask for an emotional healing process. And there are very skilled emotional healing process space holders and navigators in this team here online. And so we help each other go through those. So it's if you're wanting at some point to ask for an emotional healing process, you have to actually ask. You have to say, hey, I would, I would like to do an emotional healing process with one or two of you hold space for me. It goes just like that. So I don't know if now is the time for you, but I wanted you to know that's a tradition in this circle and it works. Okay. Great. Thank you. Great. Anyone else? I would like to share. Go ahead, Andrea. Um, this this week has been different with my father, with the the relation we we have together. It went nonlinear this time, and he surprised me by asking me to help him go through um, health issues that came up, and. It's, it's completely different because he's been always making fun of me of how I approach this and how I go about that. And when I was trying to uh, like prevent all of this stuff during the winter, things got worse. So I, I had to just acknowledge his choice and, and let it go, let it be his decision. And he came by himself to me and asked for help. And I observed that a part of me was like, you see, I've told you this couldn't be different. And a part of me was like, wow, like I feel really honored and glad. And I, I really felt like more conscious about all of this and tried to do my best not to let my gremlin out of leash and really try to support him. And I had a space uh, while traveling with, surprisingly with my mom. And I expressed that I feel angry about this, like that this could have been all prevented. So, and, and she's, she's a different personality than I am. So she was like, okay, so let it all out. Like scream, like, wow. Like she can scream, she, she's that kind of person. So I was like, well, yeah, that, that sounds good. Like, let, let's scream while in the car. So we screamed and by the time we got home and, and by the time my father actually approached me, 
I felt the shift of space and atmosphere and I was able to approach it differently. I'm still learning, like it wasn't perfect, but it was different and it's, it's a huge change and shift within our family. Wow, thanks for experimenting and thanks for going to the edge. <laughs> Go Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hmm. I'll ask you if you would please put your attention on your energetic center, find out where it is, if it's in the past or the future or on somebody else, find out where it is and use your intention to actually move your energetic center onto your physical center, which is located a little bit before below your belly button and straight back in your body, right in the middle of your body. You just intentionally move it there. So it exits the past, it exits the future, it comes right into this real small here and now, and it's sitting right there on your center. And then use your clicker like this, make a, an energetic connection between your center and the middle of the earth. So go ahead, one, two, three, use your clicker. And then at the count of three, just say out loud the color of your grounding cord. One, two, three, green. Orange. Thank you. Use your clicker one more time and make your energetic bubble around you all the way goes under your feet, around your back. Usually it's pretty thin, but if you need a thicker bubble, make it as thick as you want to have a safe space for yourself. Inside the space is your, is your space. Outside the bubble is everybody else's space. It's a distinction between your space and everybody else's space. And the, you can clean out the inside of your bubble if you reach into your energetic bag of things. It's like a leather pouch hanging at your energetic tool belt and pull out a golden ball of your own concentrated energy and information, hold it up above your head, let it go. It'll drop right down through your spine and hits your center, pops open, and it fills up your bodies, all five bodies and the inside of your bubble with your own energy and information. And you can drop another one in if you want. The way you can tell when somebody else's energy is in your space is if you are having a conversation with them in your mind, that's a sure sign that somebody else's energy is in your space. And it's not psychically healthy. So you wanna give them back the energy so they, it's their energy, it does not belong in your space. So you just do this, you drop the golden ball in, explodes out and their energy goes back to them. And you have a safe space in your five bodies filled up with your own energy and information. <clears throat> If you click your clicker one more time, you can help me and I'm Chloe, who's over there, help hold the space for all of us all around the world to be in this conversation. So it's a sanctuary for us. It's a sacred sanctuary for us to have these interactions in. And it's a holding, it's a holding space bubble. Or, or it's not really a bubble. For me, it's obviously, it's a very strange shape because it includes all of us all over the world. I don't even try to figure out what shape it is. I just declare that it's there and hold that space and it, it works like that. Great. I encourage you to do that little procedure, you know, once or twice a day, just to have your center grounding cord and bubble 
of space. And that's really an adult beginning, <clears throat> an adult starting point for yourself in, in your day or in an interaction or, or something. We're on page <clears throat> 187 in a section 6U in Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love, which is the same as the book Building Love That Lasts. It goes like this. It, the first word, the first words are ordinary human relationship. And the whole first part of the book has been about ordinary human relationship. And what this means is, is a, a kind of relationship that are automatic, that are using standard human intelligence thoughtware. So that's the kind, if you use that thoughtware, then the thinking that you do, the way you frame up the world for yourself automatically creates competition or jealousy or fear about, am I loved enough or fear if anybody loves me or it builds up scarcity and low drama things where I'm, I'm a victim and you have to create a persecutor and a rescue for yourself or you participate in low dramas and many times in ordinary relationship people come together and use the relationship as a gremlin feeding ground it's just a, a it's like a having a a hamburger place on the corner below your apartment building. And, and it gives you a, a sure source of gremlin food every day. You wake up next to somebody and first thing is a you know logistical gremlin feeding space or something like that. So, so it, it, like in order to, to map out where you are, where in the world, in the world of relating, you have to map out where you are you need some clarity about, okay, well, where is it possible to be? And so in the book, we're talking about, you can be in an ordinary spaces of relationship, extraordinary spaces of relationship, or archetypal spaces of relationship. And these are three completely separated domains. And there's nothing good or bad or right or wrong about any of them. It's all a personal preference for what you wanna do with your life. And so obviously, each of you is interested in exploring and being able to create and even share with others the extraordinary and archetypal, but you cannot do that until you own your underworld. It's part, part of owning your underworld so that when you get an underworld impulse or when you find yourself in an underworld or an unconscious interaction, then you go, ah, this is where I am. This is what's going on. And you don't have to become hopeless. You don't have to beat yourself up. You know, you don't have to uh, just go into outrage or something because oh, you go, ah, I have the X on my map. The X on my map is I'm in a shadow world, ordinary relationship space. And okay, do I want to be here? And what that means is that you have a choice about it. If you know where you are, you can go somewhere else. If you don't know where you are, you're pretty much stuck there because you don't have other options. And the way to navigate relationship spaces is so multidimensional that there's so many tools and possibilities using all five of your bodies, your intellectual, physical, emotional, energetic, and archetypal bodies. You can make gestures from all of those and offers. You can open doors and shut doors and 
make uh, ordinary offers or extraordinary offers or even archetypal offers. You can, you can negotiate intimacy in five bodies. There's so many options that are available for you that uh, when, you, when you take essentially radical responsibility for learning things that modern culture has not taught you about. And that's what we're doing here in this space. And we're, so ordinary human relationship is rife. Rife means rich or abundant with fuzziness, confusion, loopholes, delays, <clears throat> excuses, misdirection, miscommunication, withholds, sloppiness. And it's also fuzzy about a clear commitment to non-commitment. So, so are you committed? Aren't you committed? This whole thing is like, what are you taking a stand for? What do you choose? And modern culture teaches us to choose to be not committed. In some ways, we're really unable, we're trained to be unable to commit, to choose, to take a stand. And so it is radical, it's, it's revolutionary to choose and take a stand for something when you don't see other people doing that. And, and yet it causes results in your life to do that. And that's what we're starting to explore here. So having myriads, many, many non-strict flexi rules. So that's what modern culture is like. We have a bunch of non-strict flexi rules. It's neither good nor bad. It is how it is in ordinary human relationship. That's why it's, you know, it's, it's, like I'm Janet, I'm so glad that you shared what you were sharing because it's like, how do you decide? You know, how does one make a decision about yes or no, this or that, him or her, here or there, now or, or never? You know, all these clear decisions are straightforward yes or no questions. And yet we we're feeling like a whatever, a fish out of water. It's amazing. I'm telling a little story here in Costa Rica. We were driving in the car slowly on these curvy roads through the jungle. And all of a sudden we see this two meter long jungle snake in the middle of the road. And he's going this, you know, he's, he's doing this snake move to get across the road. And we sit there for almost two, three minutes while he's getting across the road because there's nothing to push against. He's, there's nothing, but as soon as he hits the grass at the side of the road, phew, he's out of there because he has every single curve of his body has something to push against and he can just fly through the grass. And so it was so impressive to see the difference. And, and this is exactly what we're talking about here is that if you're in a slippery situation, there is nothing that you can do about it in terms of making clear decisions. But if you're taking a stand, if you're making yourself, if you're arranging your world so you can say yes or no about everything, Pretty, then, then you have you can make moves. You have something to stand on, and it's different from most people. Most people hold this fuzzy world context. You don't have to, and so the further you refine the qualities of relationship that you're negotiating from from ordinary to extraordinary to archetypal, the fewer the rules there are, yet the more strictly those rules apply. So that, this is 
this is how it's like almost like a pyramid. If you're down here in the ordinary world, there's so many laws and rules, and but they all have loopholes. So you can get out of almost anything. You get a, a big, you know, the right lawyer, you can get out of anything. And the further you go up with extraordinary and in, into the archetypal domains, there are fewer rules, but they apply more, more clearly. There's more clarity. At the level of ordinary human relationship, forgetfulness, gray zones, and deception, and really good excuses are the norm. You know, if pretty, we're trained to have create really good reasons. It, it, I'm not being mean, but like Eula, when, you, when I asked you if you would please stop drinking, the, you, it's a yes or no question I asked you. And you gave me, what you gave me was a bunch of reasons. You know, that's the ordinary world. It's like, and I'm supposed to be confused or adaptive to your reasons or, and I'm not, I'm not. But you can play that level if you want. You can try to use reasons and excuses and try to confuse people around you and make a fuzzy world. But you don't have to, that's what I'm saying. Fuzziness and non-commitment are easily created by never finally deciding yes or no. And when I say finally, I don't mean always or forever because these are fantasy worlds. These are fantasy words. You know, there's nothing that's always and there's nothing that's never. It's, a, it's these, uh, you know, you, somebody comes up to you and says, you know, you, you, all, you, you never listen to me, you know, or you always interrupt me or whatever these kind of words, it's really a gremlin feeding environment. So when I say in the book, uh, uh, to finally decide, it's just what I mean is being clear about your decision, actually saying no, or actually saying yes, and that's it. You don't need any reasons or excuses. I mean, I'll say this, I'll say this once now, but it's, but, uh, you know, if, if, if you have a yes or no question and, and you answer for a reason, so there's a really good reason that you, you know, you make a choice. What has the power, you or the reason? And it turns out that if you're working your life so that if you come up with a really good reason, then you make that choice. It turns out that the reason has the power, not you. And that means that any salesperson with a quote unquote better reason than you have, he can sell you anything because you're letting reasons have the power in your world. You do not have to do that. You can make choices for no reason. And I'm not talking about just being, you know, a two-year-old stubborn, you know, you can't make me, you know, that kind of uh, uh, absolutist, uh, irrational, whatever, you know, crazy kind of world. I'm talking about making a choice where you are the reason. It, there is, it's not because I want to, that is a reason. It's you, you're making the choice and being radically responsible for the choice. And that's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. You don't, and if you start going into the whole domain of reasons and excuses and justifications and stories and blame and resentment and this, this is a swamp. It's a huge quagmire. It's like in America, there's this story about the tar baby, Br'er Rabbit and the tar baby. You just get stuck in this whole tar, sticky tar of reasons and stuff. You're just covered with the tar. And so you don't have to do it that way. 
you, you don't have to do it. So that's what we're getting towards here. You can actually make yes or no decisions without reasons involved. And this is a, it's a, you know, right now I'm, we're, we have a team and we're in a difficult, one of these impossible kind of decisions to make. Like we're, we're, um, you know, where to move to, where to set up a writing house for a year. And like, who, how do we negotiate this? And it's such a wide open question that it's, it's, you cannot make it a choice like that. It's one of these big life decisions. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It's exactly what you were talking about with the divorce or the separation, or nobody told us that you've discovered a new person who's interesting to you. Should you hang out with them? At what level should intimacy, should you negotiate? These are all huge decisions. You know, which, what kind of work should I do? Should I quit my job and finally start doing what I came on the planet to do? These are huge decisions. And you, if you start doing those kind of decisions with reasons, the reasons will have the power and you will regret it on your deathbed. You will say, gosh, you know, it wasn't really, it was actually my father's reason. Wasn't even my reason. You'll, I, how many people have had that? You make a decision, you look back, gosh, it's my mother or my father or, you know, the church or, you know, yeah. So so if you can if you can if you can find this place where you're not choosing for a reason, then all of a sudden you have the power. You also have the consequences. You don't get to blame anyone else for the ch the choice that you make, which is great. It's a rapid learning environment. You get the consequences. You learn fast. So, like for example, I'm back in the book. I have a question. I'm Go ahead, Brian. Then the the choice comes. Does it? Where does it come from if it doesn't come from a reason? Well, it does not come from your mind. What does it, it come from a from anger, for example? Anger helps to make clear decisions. Anger helps to say yes or no, or, or stop or go. Anger is useful for that, but it does not come from that. Okay. If you if you if you're using your feelings for making decisions, then it's the feeling that makes the decision. Yeah. And it's oftentimes our feelings are not really feelings, they're emotions. Mm -hmm. And the emotions come from the past, from authority figures, external authority figures, etc. They come not from us. So you can't, you know, you can use the information and energy of your feelings to help inform you about your decisions. I mean, for me to, my experience is that those kinds of decisions come out of my center. They come mm -hmm. out of my being. And they come out of there by some resonance with my life. With my... Brianne, is that background noise from you? Thank you. So yeah, so that comes out of my center, my being, it comes out of my life, it comes out of what, what am I creating with my life? And if I'm confused about what I'm creating with my life, then the universe can't really offer me stuff. It can't provide decisions to make. So I think that's true of us. A lot of times if we're in a situation where we're fuzzy about what our life is about, you know, am I trying to make money? Is that what your life is really about? If that's what it's about, I'm trying to buy another house for security. You know, is that what your life is about? You know, I'm trying to prepare for hard times. Is that what your life is about? What is your life really about? What are you here to create really is the question. And so when you're kind of have a sense of what you're here to create, then the decisions that you make 
anyway, for me, they fall into alignment with my bigger, with my meta conversation about my life. It's not, it's not so much the details, you know, what am I having for breakfast? You know, who's, who's washing the dishes? It's not about those details. It's about those things fall into place according to the meta conversation, the overview of what my life is about. So then the decisions are coming from essentially not from my mind, not from my feelings, you know, not from any single body. They're coming out of the, that's the next step for my life that unfolds my life. And then it's, uh, I forget who was saying it, it was I, maybe uh, Janet, but it was this thing about, I could not have figured this out myself with my mind. You know, it happens, you know, if I was still stuck in my mind, I'd be in Northern California selling electromagnetic mechanical devices, especially polymerous chain reaction machines that I was building in the 1980s. I was building these things before they needed them to test COVID. We were inventing those devices back in Northern California, the cutting edge biomedical research you know, business that I was in. So if I was in my mind, that's where I would be. But, but I was willing to make decisions that were insane given ordinary standards. And, and the willingness to do that has to do with having your center back, having your, this radical reliance on your center, for example radical reliance on and making decisions and then going with it and see what the results are, learning as fast as you can to make really good decisions for you, something like that. Does that help, Brian? Yes, thank you. Good. Somebody else, Stephanie, go ahead. Yeah, I'm noticing that the discussion about making the decisions and saying yes or no is all tied to making decisions about the future. And something's coming up for me that when I was saying about how I decided this week that the situation that I'm in is exactly what chosen in the first place and like the snake in the grass, it's almost like we aren't deciding to be exactly where we are and how we are right now. So kind of like the snake, like there's nothing to necessarily know what to push against because we haven't completely accepted that we chose the current state. So that makes it harder to figure out how we're gonna choose to go to the next state. Exactly, exactly, thank you. I would just wanna say, I've had the impulse a couple of times to say this, this thing about relationships do not die from a lack of love. Relationships die from a lack of intimacy. And, and so it's sometimes confusing because the love never dies. You know, when you open, when, you, when part of your heart connects with somebody and it's like, hey, that's, that can't change really. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> but the intimacy, the need for, uh, the desire for um, exchanges and uh, adventure in certain domains and risk-taking or communication at certain level or new experiences or uh, all of this, you know, the search for um, like the certain kinds of food that you need for your, your next steps, whatever your practices, for example, like all of that can, is all about intimacy. And if you're having, you know, what kind of intimacy are you having in your five bodies with the people that you're around? 
And, and, if, and if you're sitting in a situation where there's still love, but there's no intimacy, or intimacy only in the physical body, for example, or intimacy only in the intellectual body or whatever, it's not enough really for thriving, for thriving in life. And I've heard it said that if you have intimacy in three bodies, that's enough, three out of five. But for me, that's not. For me, I need intimacy in all five bodies. And so there have been times, there have been years I've spent alone, basically, because there, I was not around people with whom I could have intimacy in five bodies. I just kept practicing and building matrix and trying experiments and build, you know, trying to become something interesting for echo to put into a relationship experiment. So anyway, this is really personal stuff about me, but it's been working really well. So I am willing to say it like that. Thank you, Stephanie. Was there anybody else wanted to say anything about this yes, no deciding? Ragi? No, I want to say something about the last thing you said. So Go ahead. I, I resonate with it because uh, I, I feel sad. Uh, when I feel fear and sadness when I join these calls because it's mostly about relationships and uh, connecting with other and intimacy. And uh, in this time of my life, I'm mostly alone and uh, I feel like it's something wrong. So I feel glad to hear you say that. Uh, that you spent uh, some portion of your life also by yourself working, like with yourself. I don't know, like, again, making assumptions of, of what alone means for you. But uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else, anything right now? Yeah, I feel like I, so I say yes to things. I say yes to my relationship and I say yes to what I'm here to do. And then I have these like crippling, overwhelming doubts about everything. Which feeling is doubt, Emma? Fear. Thank you. It's, it's more clear for you if you say that. You'll get you'll get a, something to hold on to if you if you clarify what feeling it is. Just say yeah. the, say what you said again and just add the change the word. I have so I have so much fear about the decisions that I've said yes to, which are my relationship and to what I'm here to do in life, which is not play in this game. That Would you like to do an experiment right now? Let's do an experiment. I propose an experiment. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. So close your eyes for a second. Just take a deep breath, close your eyes and check, check in yourself and what is the biggest crippling fear right now about? Which, which one is it about? It's money. Okay. So you have this crippling fear about money. And you, and you, so click your clicker and say, hello, fear. Hello, fear. Say, what do you have for me? 
What do you have for me? What does it say? Just tell us what it says. I don't hear anything. Okay, it's about money. This is your this crippling fear about money. There's this fear comes out of something and it's crippling. It's like blocks you because it has a message for you that you've been unwilling to listen to. And all we're going to do is listen to the message of your fear. That's all. We're not going to decide anything. We're just completing the communication with this fear because you're crippled because you're not completing the communications with the fear. That's what the crippling, the paralysis comes from. It comes from not hearing and completing the communications with your fear. That's all you're doing. Go ahead. What does it say? What do you have for me? What does it say? What do you have for me? Go ahead and just say it. Just speak before you even think about it. I, I don't. I don't hear anything. I, I'm. The fear tells you something. It says something like, "You don't have enough money. You won't have enough money. If you don't have enough money, you're going to die. You're going to have to live under a bridge. You're going to have to go back home and live with your parents. People are going to hate." What What is it telling you? It's not worth it. What's not worth it? You're not worth it. What, what are you not worth? You're not worth what? Having a stable life. You're not worth having a stable life because why? Because that yes that there, there's so much pain in this world so this, and i just who am i to to be one of the people that deserve that okay so you've got a, a worldview and your fear is coming out of this worldview and somehow your worldview as i understand it is there are certain people who deserve having a stable financial life and you're not one of them because there's so much pain in the world. Yeah. Yes. Where did you get this worldview? worldview? Thank you. That was obvious. As soon as you said it, it was totally clear. Did anybody else get that? Did you know it was the dad? Great. So great. So your dad has this worldview. We'll not ask where he got it, but he has it. And you grew up in a field that was drenched in this worldview and you absorbed it without really knowing that you absorbed it. And you absorbed it for a really good reason, which is if you have the same worldview as your dad, he will love you easier. It's a survival decision. You absorb the worldview of your dad and he will love you easier. There'll be less conflict and more connection with your dad if you have the same worldview as him. So you did that, you absorbed it in as a survival strategy and you still have that worldview. Is that pretty clear? And that's where yeah. the fear is coming from. Okay, so now that you've made it conscious, 
Now that you've made it conscious, you go, thank you, fear. Thank you. Say that. Thank you, fear. Thank you. Yeah, and you say, anything else? Do you have anything else for me? Any, go, and go ahead. Do you have anything else for me? What does it say? It's never going to work. Yeah. What's the it? What is the it that's never going to work? You trying to deprogram this out of you. <laughs> and it's never going to work. Um, Why? Why won't it work? Because it's so strong. Because it's true. Because your dad's worldview is true. There's no other possible worldview that can work in the world. It's a real worldview. Right? So it's his real worldview. Is that what it's saying? Yeah. It cannot work. Yeah, it hurts a lot. What, what hurts? My heart. Okay, good, good, good. Slow down. What's the hurt? Which feeling is there's mad, sad, glad, and scared. What is that one? It's sad, it's, yes. it's angry yes. and sad. Stay with the sad. Okay. And then say, say, thank you, fear. And then say, hello, sadness. Thank you, fear. Hello, sadness. What do you have for me? What do you have for me? So this, this sadness in your heart is talking to you right now. Say, what do you have for me? Listen, what does it say? It just so sad that this is how he feels about himself yeah. he spent his whole life yeah. just feeling like a failure and not yes. being able to be himself yes exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> thank you sadness <laughs> Thank you, sadness. Do you have anything else for me? Do you have anything else for me? Like in particular, was it going to say something? I don't know. Well, so in particular, do you have anything else for me about like, if I change my worldview, what will this do with my connection with my dad? If I change my worldview, what will this do with my connection with my dad? Yeah, I feel like this shatter. Hmm. So what feeling is with that? Which feeling is that? A fear. Yes. You're doing super inner navigating. It goes just like this. You're doing super with detecting the four feelings. It just goes exactly like that. So then, here you are with clarity about what's going on, and you open your eyes, you use the intelligence and energy of your feelings, and now, after that, you get to decide. It is not your feelings that decide. It is no longer your dad who gets to decide. It's not about survival anymore. You know, you have too much experience in the world with other people who have different thoughtware and they are thriving. And you get that? There's other people in the world with different thoughtware than your dad and they are thriving. So you have evidence to support that. 
And what you get to do is you get yes or no. You get to decide now about, are you going to keep this thoughtware from your dad? Or are you gonna give it back to him and try something else? It's a yes or no question. Here's the deal. You know, if you can do this, say, say you do this, okay, you say, okay, for the next three months, I'm going to give my thoughtware back to my, that thoughtware back to my dad, and I'm not going to use it anymore. It's his worldview. And for three months, after three months, this is July, so August, September, October, the end of October, I'm going to check again and go, okay, do I want to take my dad's worldview back? You can do an experiment like that does not have to be, like I said, a final decision. You can do this experiment. So, but you get to choose. So what's your choice? You know, one of your things you could go, I want to think about it, you know, like this. And that's a choice of no. I want to give this back to my dad. Okay. Close your eyes. Hold out your two hands in front of you, kind of like a bowl. If you could raise it a little bit so we can see it in front of the camera. Yeah, there's your bowl. And, and use one of your hands to take the thoughtware out of your five bodies and put it in the bowl. Just however you have to do that. Just kind of pull it out. Like it's like a weed with roots in a way. Yeah, there you go. And it, could, it might feel something while you're pulling it out. In fact, you will feel something if you're really doing it. So yeah, that. There's a feeling behind that one you just pulled out. What feeling is it? Fear. Yeah. So let the fear be there. That have you get to, this is this won't really work unless you actually have the feelings while you're pulling it out. So if it's anger, you pull it out with anger. If it's fear, you pull it out with fear. If it's sadness, you pull it out with sadness. You take like ten seconds to do that. What? Let the sounds out, Emma. Let the sounds out. Yes. Yes. What's the sound? Let it be bigger. <laughs> bigger it's big stuff it's life-shaping stuff let this sounds uh. out <laughs> great 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 so okay hold your bowl up a little further and say and then click one of your fingers, go click your clicker and see your dad. Say hello, dad. Hello, dad. When I was how many years old, I adopted your thought we were about money. When I was five years old, I adopted your thought we were about money. And I used it the whole time until right now. Until right now. Yeah, and I'm so now I'm making a new choice. I'm doing an experiment. Now I'm making a new choice. I'm doing an experiment. I'm giving you your thought we're back. I'm giving you your thought we're back. Go ahead and hand it to him. And then take another one of those golden pearls from your bag of things, drop it in, fill up the space where the thought where was. It pops open, yeah, and fills it up. Great. Click your clicker, kind of nod, and your dad goes away. Yeah. Great. Take a breath. You do not have to already know what the new thoughtware will be that you're trying. 
to do this. You filled it up with gold and energy. You get the space filled up. You don't have to know, you know, you don't have to replace one kind of brainwashing with another kind of brainwashing. You don't have to do that. You can have no thoughtware about something for a while and then invent your own thoughtware about it. How's that feel right now? Good. Thank you. Try if you if you say good, then you're giving me a judgment how it feels good or bad. Yeah. I'm asking more of a description. Yeah, it, it feels a description. It feels new. It's it's it kind of feels similar to the feeling I was saying last week when I don't choose low drama, then there's nothing, and there's just my power, and it feels really foreign and exciting and scary. Thank you for doing the experiment with us. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Clinton. Try to stop talking and let it in. Just let this in for a minute. Yeah, take a deep breath. Thank you. Okay, any questions or comments for anybody right now about that? Or anything? Okay. All right. So I'm back in the book. Fuzziness and non-commitment are easily created by never finally deciding yes or no, Near, never clearly deciding yes or no. Without making clear decisions, you cannot be blamed. You cannot be attacked. You are not at risk and you never really fail. And at the same time, you also never really succeed. Anybody can relate to that? You never really fail, but you never really succeed. Yeah. Okay. So this is a safe way of playing it out. You know, and we're working on a website called Live Full Out. I think is what it is. Something like that. And it's it's about it's about you just go and crash and burn and then reinvent yourself and go and crash and burn and reinvent yourself. And in that style of living, you will you will fail, and you will succeed, and it will be clear which it is. But if you, if you play it kind of in the fuzzy domain, then you won't really fail ever. And you won't really ever succeed. And that life will be kind of like cold oatmeal without salt or raisins or anything. Just this cold oatmeal day after day after day. It does not have to be that way. Life is not designed to be cold oatmeal without salt. Or, or <laughs> okay, so mediocrity prevails. If you're not really committing, if you don't decide, mediocrity prevails. And the kids say, dad, can I have an ice cream? And your answer is, well, let me check with your mom. We'll see. I don't know how soon dinner will be. When was the last time you had ice cream? What about having some fruit? I think the ice cream store might even be closed already. And so on. Without a yes or no decision, the consequences are vague. And, but with a clear decision, the consequences are clear. And so if, if the dad says yes, then, they, then he provides the ice cream. If the dad says no, 
then the kid has a tantrum and the dad deals with it and it's no big deal. It's just like, that's the, that's the way it goes. But if you're trying to avoid the tantrum or the reaction or the people feeling, if you're trying to live so that other people around you do not feel anything, what does that make you? Kind of a ghost, just kind of not there because nobody feels anything about you. They feel in vaguely and in general good about you because every decision you make is going to piss off some people, scare other people, make some people sad and make the other ones glad. And the thing about feelings is they pass like, like gas in your intestines. You, know, you have this pain in your intestines. It's go, oh, 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 and also, and then you feel better. So this is like feelings. They just, you don't have to, they will not stay there forever. So, you know, the next time you meet somebody who is angry at you, next time they'll be scared at you. And next time they'll be happy about you, whatever, because you're in action. All right. Without a yes or no decision, yeah, the consequences are not clear. You imagine that by not deciding, you avoid suffering. When in fact, not deciding not deciding is its own form of suffering. You get that? How many people get that? It's not deciding thing. You're in this unknown, vague world, its own kind of suffering. And we're, we've been trained that that's how to live. So we're, we're going to have some interesting experiments this week. I can tell you. We're going to have yes or no risk-taking, big decisions happening this week. And getting out of the suffering of not deciding. That's going to be the experiment this week. Not getting out of the suffering. Every time you're suffering from having not decided, go, not this shit again. And you go, okay, put it on the table. You know, do I sell my car? Do I, do I, do I go to Hawaii? Do I quit the job? Do I start, do I, you know, marry this guy? Do I get the, you know, divorced? Do I move to Colorado? Whatever. All these things that are vaguely undecided, you just make a decision. I remember one time I, I, I was with, and it was in college, and there was this girl who was always in my math classes. And so I, I liked her. And so I never really talked to her because I, I didn't know how to talk to girls back then. But then I was in fencing class, you know, sword fighting. So she was in my same sword fighting classes. So talk about intimacy. I mean, who's going to be a sword fighting mathematician? This is utter, this is radical intimacy. So I finally went to her house and I said, can we talk? She goes, yes. You know, I almost shit in my pants because, you know, I didn't know what comes after that, but she said, yes. So then basically at that point, I committed to her. I committed, like I made this commitment to her. I'm, I'm here for you like this. I said, I said, um, do you give hugs? She goes, yes. So I gave her a hug and she hugged me back. And then I said, then I told her this story. Do you remember back in, you know, first year of college, in the, the algebra trigonometry, you know, in four dimensions class. Do you remember that? Yeah. I sat behind you. I told her the whole story. And by the end of that um, five minutes of telling the story, the relationship was over. She, 
she couldn't stand this whole blah, blah story about this creepy guy who's been sitting back in math class, you know, and looking over her shoulder. But she just like, she was not a romantic. So anyway, it was, that was my shortest relationship was five minutes. So, but that only could have happened if I committed a hundred percent in the first place. And then it ended completely after that. So in case it can work like that, very clear stuff. Simply making up your mind to make up your mind. You get this? You can make up your mind to make up your mind. You can decide that you're going to be making decisions. Make up your mind to make up your mind. It is not going to help you make yes or no decisions and permit you to enter extraordinary human relationship because the hesitation to make a yes or no decision does not come from the mind. That's what we were talking about. It does not come from the mind bouncing around in a lack of information or too much information to be confused. You know, it isn't happening in the mind. The hindrance, the hesitation to make yes or no decisions comes from your being. So in the book, it says your heart, but whoever wrote the book is wrong. So it comes from your being and it has to do with a hesitation to face consequences. Has just this has just a fear of consequences. That's all. That is all it is. Okay. So, but if you start loving fear and do exactly what Emma did, you say hello, fear, welcome, fear. What do you have for me? You write it down. You say, what else do you have for me? Write it down. You say, thank you. Anything else? No. Okay. Thank you. And then you decide. You can feel huge amounts of fear, huge amounts about everything, and it will just tell you what information it has for you and the energy it has for you. And then you make the decision. So decisions intimately involve feelings in ways that you may not have studied before. On the surface, making a yes or no decision appears to involve making distinctions and creating clarity, getting reasons, getting understanding, all that stuff. And then taking action, you know, making the best reasons, the best decision out of all. You know, you make your list, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the pros, the cons, you make your list and then whatever has the most points you decide. That's the mind making a decision. Distinguishing, clarifying and acting all involve energetic sword work, sword work that is empowered by the feeling of anger. Not that not that expressing the distinction, clarity or action must be with anger. So you don't have to express it with anger, but the nature of making distinctions, the nature of creating clarity, the nature of taking action is motivated by this archetypal energy called anger. What this means is that if it is not viscerally okay for you to feel and use the energy of anger because of old childhood survival strategies to disempower yourself, then distinguishing, discerning, clarifying, and taking action are not going to happen naturally for you. Jeff, was that a question? You had your hand up for a question or comment? Yeah. Um... You know, you. I heard you say that the decisions come from 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 the from my being, from you yeah. know, from this place. And you know, it's like I when I started making these different decisions in my life a few years ago. Yeah, it was like from my being and really wanting to express myself in my own way, um, in, in like really feeling what was right for me. And but now I like 
I feel like I'm getting to these higher levels of decisions where it's like not even it's beyond that. It's like not even what my being wants anymore. Like, you know, we went up to this mountain. It's like twenty five hundred meters up in up in the sky. And like it's really far away from everything. And it's super scary. And like, you know, I a part of my being wants to be down there and by the beach and with the friends. And it's like. There's a part of me that's like. This is what you have to do. There's like. Okay, so let me just share that with you. We were talking about that before, and it's coming from the life. It's coming from your life, like your life path or what you need next for delivering what you came here to deliver. It puts you in connection with Echo, with your archetypal lineage, with your bright principles in your life, you know, in the world as it is and what the world around you needs and what you can do about it. And it's totally beyond the mind. It's totally beyond the being, like you said. And it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of what you said was like, I want to be down at the beach. It's actually your box wants to be down at the beach because it's more comfortable at the beach. Or that, you know, it's, it's this fearful go up in this high mountain. It's, it's, it's cold or it's uncomfortable or something. Anyway, but yeah, it's like exactly what you said. I think that's been my experience. I haven't talked with very many people about this. You know, this is no law or something it's just it's a sharing and so thank you for sharing that yeah thank you and i also want to say i feel a lot of joy because the woman who cares for this land just brought me the yucca that we harvested that she prepared and it's fantastic (laughs) you're lucky (laughs) (laughs) thank you uh stephanie i'm thinking there might be a parallel here between the concept of speaking before you know what you're going to say and sort of like deciding before you know what you're going to do or something like that where this information is sort of or I don't know if it's information but it's coming before you have time to um, let your box get involved does that make any sense yes and it's a completely different time frame for those two creation modes from the speaking from the unknown is an immediacy there's an immediacy about it and the consequences are about three seconds long until the echo of your voice leaves the room you know people can hear you and understand you or make use of what you said but the consequences are really a small time zone whereas this form of making decisions can last the rest of your life these are these are big these are decisions. So the time frame they don't match at all. So I think they're really different in that way at least. Thank you. Anybody else right now? Chloe, you're going to say something. Okay. All right. So. It's, I'm reading in the book, says a deeper level of feelings, a, conf- a confrontation with grief. So, okay, we're still talking about feelings and making decisions like yes or no decisions and bringing in this grief part. Because when you make a decision, you will have a confrontation with grief. It is involved with the consequences of decision-making, this is because in every circumstance, there are practically an unlimited number of options available to choose from. 
So you're saying yes or no, there are many options to choose from. If you decide for one of those options, you are simultaneously deciding against 99 million other options. They are, you are killing them. That is, if you choose to give life to one possibility, you are at the same time killing 99 million other possibilities forever for all time, because in that moment, you will not have the moment again. So in that moment, you're killing 99 million possibilities by choosing one. That would be a frightening thing. These unmade choices are now really dead. It is not possible to choose them anymore from back then. You know, you could maybe have a chance to choose them again in a do-over, for example, in the three seconds or in the future. But at that moment, you choose one, you kill the rest. The passing, the ending of the 99 million possibilities into irretrievable oblivion must be grieved. That means sadness. So if it is not perfectly okay for you to feel deep, authentic sadness over the death, of all the options that you've decided against each time that you make a decision for something else, then you will unconsciously avoid making decisions about anything just to avoid feeling the sadness. Did anybody notice that in themselves? Did you, yeah, yeah. It's so great to realize this. And it's so great to realize that if you simply learn how to feel mad, sad, glad, and scared at high intensity and use the energy and intelligence of your feelings and emotions, then all these new fields open up to you, including making these huge decisions. Making decisions opens up to you because it takes anger and it takes sadness and it also takes fear and joy. Okay, start with making a decision to grant yourself permission to let anger course through your veins for the rest of your life, no matter what the consequences. Well, you know, you can decide something like that, and then your box can forget it because the decision has to come from your being or from your life. So what we're finding out is the thing that really helps to make that decision to grant yourself permission to let anger course through your veins for the rest of your life, no matter what the consequences, that decision is, is supported in Rage Club. It's really the environment where that decision comes. And so if you have not done Rage Club, please do Rage Club. It's, and Claire, are you here? Can, are there any Rage Clubs happening? Do you know? Is anybody delivering a Rage Club soon from here? No. Okay. I will be starting another one in August. Okay. August is a brand's got a new rage. It's an online rage club in August. Yes. So you can personal message Brianne and she'll get you the info. And Chloe, you were going to say something? Ah, Eula, Eula Geller has one in Leipzig. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, but. So uh, please, if you have not done a Rage Club, just do it. It's four weeks. Is Brianna, is yours four weeks? My next one will be longer, actually. It will be a 12, 
12-week rage club that Sofia Magdalena and I will be holding space for together. Wow, cool. Very great. Yeah, super. Yay. Yeah, so if anybody can do this, do it. it is, if you've not been in rage club, it turns on this, your dragon part. It brings this dragon part to life. And imagine how the dragon feels for all this time if it has not been turned on yet. I mean, it's in there. You have a dragon part. All these movies that you watch where these people get to show up with their dragon part and you go, God, I wish I had my dragon part. Well, you can. You do this 12-week thing and you will have your dragon part. And then please, if you feel like it, you know, learn to deliver rage clubs to other people. And Chloe has a rage club space holder training. And the thing is you have to be in rage club first. So that makes sense. But when is your rage club space holder coming up? August 3rd. Okay. All right. Thank you. Cool. She has a couple more spaces in it. She's not just bullshitting you. There's 24 people, I think, already in it. You can only handle 26 or something. So it was a no bullshit. There's a couple places left in your training, you know, not really. <clears throat> we are so conditioned to regard anger as bad or destructive or hurtful that it takes some experimenting to realize experientially that anger is simply energy for moving forward or accomplishing things. Experiment with feeling angry and using the anger to empower your discernment, your insight, your speaking and gestures with passion. So this would be an experiment for this week also. I don't know if you guys get around town, but you could double the amount of anger in your communication and do it as an experiment. And if somebody goes, so you have to do it to the point where like three people in one day say, what are you so angry about? If that, then you know you found the line. Like you can't really find the line until you go over the line. So you have, the way you go over the line is people say, hey, calm down, what's going on? You know, what are you so angry about? So you have to amp, otherwise you're just this gray mouse thing and you're way below the line. You think, well, I'm being angry. I'm being, you know, I'm being angry. So it's the gray mouse things. You have to, you have to get, you have to go over the line before you can find the line. So that would be an experiment this week is amp up your anger so that you can say, please pass the salt like that. I'm, or, you know, can, like shut the door, whatever. You can just say it with enough anger that people will get that you're angry and find where the line is. <clears throat> Use anger energy to practice responding immediately to yes or no questions with a simple, unexplained, unjustified, undefended yes or no. And then do not waver, regardless of what additional considerations your box might be, might be telling you, don't wiggle. Make decisions, don't wiggle. So if you go to a restaurant or a cafe or something and the person comes you, without making them wait for an instant, you say, you say, fresh squeezed orange juice and two chocolate chip cookies. And then you go, God, I, I didn't really want two chocolate chip cookies, but then don't change your mind. They bring you the chocolate chip cookies. No, you just eat it. And you, if they bring you the wrong thing, eat it anyway. Don't, like if they, if they didn't, you know, they were so freaked out from your anger that they 
you know, they brought you, you know, tea instead of orange juice or something. Just don't, just eat what's given to you. It's a really a cool practice. So that's called not wiggling. So you use your anchor. You know, you sit at the, at the restaurant and you go, how oh, should I get this? Or gosh, I, I don't, maybe this, I should get this. Or go, oh, I had that last week. Oh, yeah, that's a really a good reason I should not have it this week because, I, you know, you sit there in this mucky, cloudy, you know, fuzzy, ordinary world. You just pull out and just, you can, here's, here's another thing. You, you grab the menu, you put your finger on something. Say, I want this. You don't even know what it is yet. You just hold up the menu and say, this, give me, give me this. And then when they bring it, you, you just eat it. And your box is freaking out because it's going, what? But I, I don't like, you just shut up and you, know, like you really, who's running your life, your box or you? So, so yes or no, do not waver. Just no wiggling. At the same time, make an additional decision to grant yourself permission to let the feeling of sadness flow through your veins again for the rest of your life, no matter the consequences. Be careful not to mix your sadness with your anger. What do you get when you mix sadness with anger and have that at the same time? What do you get? This is a test question. Depression. Yes, depression. God. There was another resignation, something like that. Yeah. Is that the other one? Yeah. Yeah. Was it resignation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, yes, you, if you mix sadness and anger together, you get slime, feeling slime. So don't mix them together. Do anger and do ang and sadness. Uh, nah, but do anger and then do anger. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> Do anger and then do sadness separately. It could be about the same thing or different things. You don't know. But if you mix them together, you just get slime. So uh, be careful not to mix your sadness with your anger. As shown in the map of mixed feelings, integrating your sadness with your anger as an experience will automatically produce depression. To avoid feeling depression or to exit depression, just be clear about what you are feeling. First, feel the anger, then feel the sadness, then feel the anger. And if you want, never, if you want, and never mix the two feelings together. So quantize your feelings. You are angry about some things and also sad about the same things or sad about different things. Anger and sadness come from completely different archetypal domains. Experientially mixing them together confuses and disempowers one of your primary resources of energy and wisdom, which is your feelings. No wonder you feel depressed. Just do not mix the two feelings together. Your new willingness to feel sad gives you the ability to let unchosen alternatives pass you by with respectfulness and without drowning in nostalgia or sentimentality. Daily life in the flesh, in involves life and death consequences. When you choose the veal parmesan, you pass up the chicken cacciatore and the spinach lasagna. You cause many possibilities to die by choosing one possibility to enliven. That is how it is. Letting the waiter or your wife choose for you does not change the consequences of your decision one iota. When the man asks his woman a yes or no question like, do you want to go to the beach this weekend? 
and she takes off on a tangent like, we only have 300 in the bank and your mother wants to come over for lunch on Sunday. Then the man can avoid getting hooked if he does not go into the automatic reaction mode. After all, it is just the box speaking. He can, he can keep listening and not say anything until there is a slight pause. And then he can say, those are answers to the questions. How much money do we have in the bank? What does my mother want to do on Sunday? And I did not ask those questions. I asked, do you want to go to the beach this weekend? If she says yes, then he can, then he can say, I have 150 in my wallet, enough for gas for the camper and a splendid two-day picnic. I will call my mother and explain that we will not be here this weekend. Are there any other details to handle? This is called causing adventure. And especially men should learn how to cause adventure. All of a sudden, almost miraculously, this couple is in extraordinary human relationship. That was the end of that section. The next section is called Ask for What You Want. It's going to be a serious section, I can tell already. We still have time to start that section if we want. Is there anybody want to say anything, particularly about causing adventure? Um, hi, my name is Uyana. Habit invited me to this circle. I have Welcome. one. Thank you. I have one question because you just said, um, especially men should learn um, how to cause adventure. Why is that? Whoa, that is a dangerous question. If I ever heard one. That sounds like a, a one filled like a giant mouse trap. If I step on that one, the thing's going to go like this. It would be just right around my neck. I'll have some kind of, some kind of. Actually, why don't you answer that question, Oyen? That would I'd like to hear you answer that question. Um, I don't know. I was just surprised um, about about the sentence. This is why I asked. Surprise, what do you mean by surprise? I guess my, my image of, I mean, I don't have an image of generally of men, but I wouldn't think men are not causing adventure. I don't know, it, it just confused me a bit. Confusion, okay. Confusion is a cover-up for anger. So if you could just say, instead of saying confusion, you just say, it made me angry a bit. Okay, yeah, it made me angry a bit. Ah, what were you angry about? I didn't understand how it was meant. It was meant exactly as it said, but that was a particularly an instruction for men to learn how to cause adventure. How many men, I don't understand. Wait, wait, wait. How many women understood what I, why I, the reason I said that? How many women have a sense of why I said that? Okay, I see Stephanie, Andrea, Rhonda, and Chloe, Eva. Good. And, and Irena. Irena, we didn't hear from you yet. Could you? 
Could you talk to Oina and and just say what why that makes sense to you? Because <clears throat> um, I understand that uh, we usually put a lot of we as a woman in a relationship. We had a lot of. Uh, uh reasons why not to do things at the end and uh, it's easy for men like to take those and that commitment with some adventure so the example that you said um resonated with what i believe uh related to men because it's a uh, instructions on how deal with our um can say like distractions to commitment on adventure or um, for me was what is not related to to gender in some way but at the same an instruction for men directly to deal with that because because we get like um, usually plan the adventures mm. or something like that yeah thank you Eva, you had your hand up. <clears throat> In my experience, an adventure is, is just such a, like there's so much possibility of creating intimacy if you go on an adventure together. And I think often, I think still many men think that on like dangerous adventures, they can only go with another man. And I think if they, uh, create adventures and invite the woman they are with to come on this adventure they have also the possibility to meet her in in like in her strength or in in and in a surrounding that he's really interested in like it's it's something that he's enthusiastic to to be in and he can create it so that they can do it together yeah that's what i get Thank you. I would like to share that in my experience, it's been quite the opposite. Actually, I've been seeing in my own old relationships and also the relationships around me that my supposition is that through uh, this gender roles conditioning, uh, the women have been really adapted and just ad adapting and following the flow. And the men have been the one being more creative and giving impulses and and creating adventure actually. Um, What's your proposal, Chloe? Well, I'm feeling um, fear and anger about those categorization of men are like this and women are like that. And I'm still figuring out what my proposals can be around that. I mean, I I made concrete experiments when I had those uh, realization back then of like going through a whole day uh, around with a male friend and being the one who says everything that we do now and how we do it and take all the decisions and bring him into the flow without just adapting. Um, yeah, and, and for this specific space right now but how did that go it it went amazing <clears throat> i realized for myself how how what uh yeah like 
how I was giving up the role, the, the more difficult role actually to the other person of, of leading and, and somehow, yeah, being inventive, uh, taking decision and taking the risk of um, getting some resistance when standing for something that I was just like giving up that role to the other person and that was comfortable for me. And when I had to take that role, I, I, I would value more the people that actually do it instead of getting passively angry at them for being too bossy or whatever. Like then I discovered my, my creative side and the possibilities I have for creating adventures so yeah, it went well. It was a nice experiment. You, you have possibilities. We're creating adventure. Yeah. Can you talk about it? Well, in that specific situation, it was about learning how to really feel like, what do I want to do now? And how, and, and how can I create a, an energy of, hey, let, let, let's do it together like and and standing up for it and um, take people with me and yeah uh, I don't know I'm feeling a bit of um, sadness right now that is coming up about yeah others about about what uh, realizing how long I've been in that old pattern of not um, like how long it took until I discovered that resource in me and yeah thank you thank you thank you Oyani does that does that give you some possibility <clears throat> Um, I think now I'm unsure if I, I'm still unsure if I understood you right, was, um, was what you, you were saying that normally, oh, oftentimes because of socialization, uh, women more often have to have learned or have the role of, um, of causing adventure or the other way around because I, I don't know. I, I think I didn't get it right. I'm not sure. Jeff, just one second. All I want to say is <clears throat> what I was speaking of was from the archetypal. And we're not in that part of the book yet. We're still only in the extraordinary part of the book because we already before went through the ordinary part and now we're in the extraordinary part. But in the archetypal domains, there's, there's a... Uh, intimacies that unfold in multiple dimensions when adventure is is engaged and and so there's a there's a a risk that the masculine can take of being this spacious this nothingness this holding space for adventure and it's it's kind of a, a bigger risk for the the archetypal feminine who is everything to go in the adventure but at the same time because she has to leave so much behind there's so many concerns so many the cost the the, the consequences the risks the, there's so much at risk when to, to to go to the edge you know adventure happens at the edge 
So it's an archetypal proposal. It's a transformational proposal to engage, to offer. It's, a, it's an offer and an, and, a, and, a, and an accepting the offer that is transformational when, when, when adventure is involved. And that's, but that's where I was talking from. Jeff, what were you gonna say? Yeah, thank you. I, um, yeah, Emma just texted me because we're in the middle of this exact process right now, live in real time. And I'm gonna jump head first into the, carefully into shark infested waters. Um, I, yeah, like that, I, I think there's a distinction between like initiating adventure and then what happens in the adventure. And Chloe, what I heard from you was like, an adventure started and then you decided like, okay, well, let's go this way, let's go that way. And like, I see the power of the feminine to have this infinite view that can like understand bigger picture. And that can also be <clears throat> like hindering in this like initiation and the masculine is like the go and kind of like, like a, a brute force kind of like go. And then feminine can like guide more properly. And um yeah, like ma masculine needs to create a container that feels safe enough for, for feminine to jump in. And yeah, we're in that. Cool. We're and you know, the purpose is on the one hand building matrix, because if an adventure is too far away from where you are, it's too scary or too dangerous or foolhardy. You know, you can get hurt or it just, it is too much fear. And if it's not close enough to the edge, there's, there it does not build matrix either. It's just boring or it's not sufficient. So it's an art form uh, to find the proper edge for building the proper kind of a matrix that's needed right then. And so if, if you're like, if you have the possible, if you have the approach of ongoingly discovering and inventing and designing and engaging in adventures that are at the edge that build matrix, it is, it's a kind of matrix building that's really uh, resilient. It's because it's adventurous um, matrix building. So it has this resilience in it, like it's sustainable because it's, it isn't um, just like meditate every morning for 40 years. You know, that has a certain kind of matrix building practice, but this is a different kind that is really resilient and flexible and, uh, Mm, like in a way it's uh what's it called contagious like it's like a you know other people can can get it contagious so yeah thank you somebody else is going to say something uh julia <clears throat> i don't i don't know how important this was to the example but i'm, I'm I'm appreciating that you said that this, this person initiated this adventure, but then was like, I got the money, I got the this, we're going to do this. And just like also um, following through with making it like, because you said that the feminine often is like, oh, we have to have the money or we have to have the kids or whatever these responsibilities are. And so I just heard in your example, a like also holding those parts with or taking care of in that example that might be. And, and I'm just curious if that was, if, you know, if that's another thing that you were getting at um, or not with your, you know, what you meant by well, that. Yeah, what I, what I wanted to say in addition to that is as my 
art form of creating and making adventurous offers has developed over the years, I've noticed how fabulous it is to negotiate intimacy in the midst of adventure. Where, where because in an adventure basically isn't isn't um, you're entering the unknown, and so because of that you're groundless. There's there's no real basis of of ordinary to stand on. So the groundless state, the groundless nature of the adventure, is has the advantage of neither one knows. So anybody in the adventure, nobody knows how it goes. That's the adventurous part. Nobody knows. It hasn't been done before. Uh, uh, and because of that, there's this intelligence that's a, a deeper intelligence is called on to navigate the adventure from both from all parties involved. And so, you know, if it's just this patriarchal thing, if the guy says, well, I know how it goes, or here's how it decides how it goes. Maybe I, I did that back in college or something, but, but these, you know, it's, it's, it's insane for me to, would, to do that these days. It's like, okay, we're in this place. We don't know how it goes. It's groundless. It's never been done before. And how do we do this? And the holding this space is more about, we can do this, or, or it can be done. You know, it is possible. For example, and then how the how of it comes out of each person. So each person is a collaborative invention. The adventure. Uh, I mean, uh, we just together with Ralph and Marina here and Chloe and I, we watched this film, which was it was a Maze Runner three, you know. And Maze Runner three is just this basically this ongoing, you know, figure it out and or die basically situation. And so. But, the, but they did it, it was, the cool part of the movie was each person had their part to play in creating, you know, in solving the problems, in, in, in navigating the adventure. And, and it was completely uh, not dependent on one person's key intelligence at the same time, each person had key roles to play. And there was kind of a, a space holder and the space holder doesn't know. It was like, basically every time they asked the space holder, what's happening, he goes, I don't know, you know? And so then they had a space to answer the question themselves. And then that's how they got nonlinear possibilities was because he did not pretend to know. And there was space for everybody to collaboratively invent in the, during the adventure. Yeah. God, you know, doesn't that make you want to go on an adventure now? Don't you want to just like get off your ass and say, I'm not doing the dishes. Like grab your bag. We're going out the door. Come on. It's adventure time. We're going to go to Washington. We're going to transform the president. We're going to rebuild the jungles. We're going to save the hippopotamuses in Nepal. Come on, let's go do this. So We're already on an adventure right who's, now. Who's we? Can you explain what you're saying? <laughs> I'm on an adventure right now with you and all of you in this space how's it going it's not it's, a judgment it's a description of questions yeah i'm discovering i'm discovering about co-creation and radical relating there you go see the adventure is radical relating 
Yes. <clears throat> I mean, I'm trying to build a website called Cause Adventure. <clears throat> and we just designed it just now in this conversation. Thank you very much. Because I, I didn't have time to have this conversation before. And you guys are such amazing co-creators and collaborators that we could build out the whole website just now in this short conversation. Anybody have something else to add or subtract or multiply or divide? I would like to add something. Andrea. Yeah, um, this topic really speaks to me because I, I've realized that in, in the past relationship, uh, my ex-boyfriend was the one always proposing the adventures and I was just this other person just going with the flow and not being able to say yes or no and I am learning um, to be more in my feminine. Like I really enjoy when when the when when the when the guy takes the lead, proposes other things that I'm perhaps like afraid of doing, but I I secretly want to do something like that. And yet to be able to learn how to how to propose the things as well and go on the adventure regardless of um, like someone else having my bag as well. And, and it's really difficult and scary. And I am, I am um, lost and confused and angry <laughs> that I am not able to, to like find that spot. Like I, I know like I am consciously experimenting with that. Great. So I, I let that go to one side or the other, like to find the line. Andrea. For, as an experiment this week, will you do two or three adventures? You make the proposals, you hold the space, you use the group intelligence to collaboratively invent, you use radical relating and just go, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, you know, it, it could be what's for lunch, it could be what, what's on the other side of that mountain, it could be anything. How, how do you make tortillas? It could be any of those things. So, and then report back to us next week. Will you do that? I will. Yeah. Anybody else going to do that? Chloe, come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. All right, good. Great. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody Thank had you. their hand up before also. Somebody else is, yeah, Kian, go ahead. Hey, Kian. Yes, hi. I, I feel like I'm going on an adventure basically next month because so I will finish. That's really yeah. a long way for but, but it's it's a big adventure. I feel like it's it, I start the adventure of living my life full out. That's basically the adventure. Because I will I will quit all my Kian, um, Kian, dude, Kian, start yeah. now. Yes, okay. I will next month I would quit no, my no, no. job. That's, yeah, but that's start the, now. You're yeah, okay. telling us about it. Kian, don't hesitate. Do it now. Start now. Start, you are, you are hesitating, shit could happen. You know, next month is a long time off. Like your mother-in-law could call up and say, you know, honey, my, my dog is sick. You know, you have to come and take care of my, I don't know, shit could happen. Like really start now. Yes, I, I start now. Yeah. I already started, I, I yeah. Okay. For example, for example today I, I finished an article about like I, I write articles. That's an adventure for me. That's a crazy like. And actually, the 
this article was the first article I felt like I started dancing with the words. I, I, I let my lineage kind of like work through me. That was so, I felt the first time joy really creating, creating writing. That's, that's crazy. It was a, yeah. But yes, what I want to ask is, I, I, I'm looking for a team like a, like, yeah, I will, I will post it. Thank you, thank you. Um, I will post it in the group. And I, I want to ask for a team that can kind of support starting my space shuttle. I want to do the one week experiment of doing every emotional healing process that comes up. And I have three people so far starting on Wednesday. And I'm looking for one or two more people who would be willing to hold space for that. Yeah, for that crazy adventure. Or the, yeah, that's also an adventure. I feel like, and yeah, Great will yeah, go ahead. Will will someone here in the space is someone willing to to be on that one week spaceship with me and hold space and be available for me calling calling you up if an emotional healing process comes up? Okay, I see Ingrid. Ingrid, thank you. That's four people. I'm happy with four people. But Ian, if, wait, when you say that, you block somebody else from putting their hand up and it could change their life. So okay. don't speak so soon. Make more space so people can, so give other people a chances. Like Jonathan, he'd be great. I haven't participated in one yet, but if you think it, uh, there, there, no training is required, then I'm down to jump in. Yeah. Yeah, you can witness oh, the emails. Jonathan, you yes. have more training than you think. Yes. Right on. I'll, I'll, uh, I got to get on this Telegram group and then let's connect and let's make it happen. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Okay. And Emma. So, am, am I counted in this group? Since yes. We're oh, no, you're not actually. You're not. <laughs> and Emma, were you, you joining the group also? Yes. Emma? Yeah, cool. There wow. You got. See what I mean, Kian? Yes. You, ended, you shut the door before people could come through. Yeah, keep the door open longer. Cool. Thank Great. you. Anything else from anybody else? We're about ready to shut this door. Igor has uh, changed from, he had a smiley face before and he decided to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Igor. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for holding space and being here together. And it's great to see you guys. Chloe? Just come over for some nuka. Thank you. All right. Have a great time this week. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye.